Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Anyone need a copy of the notes, just kindly raise your hand. And if you have your Bibles, hold them to heaven and say, Thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Thank God for His holy written word. This is Jesus, our healer, lesson two. I began one on Wednesday evening. This is lesson two, and it's the memorial mill. The memorial mill, which is the Lord's Supper. We'll talk about that in a moment. But in 1 Corinthians, notice in chapter 11, and beginning at verse 23. Now remember, who taught Paul the apostle the gospel? Jesus did. And so what he's writing here came directly from the lips of Jesus himself. And we need to remember that. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, as we travel the world over, we discover that there's all kind of memorials set up and established to help us remember the contributions that people have made to the world and to society. Some of these include presidents. Go to Washington, D.C., you can see these monuments. It includes also civil rights leaders that have impacted our society. It also includes sports figures. And entertainers, entertainers such as Mary Tyler Moore, recently passed away. And I noticed as I was looking over some of the things about her life, they have a statue in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where she threw her hat up in the air. Now, some of you young people say, who's Mary Tyler Moore? I realize that, but <laughs> humor me a little bit, okay. Remember, she threw her hat up in the air, and there it was, and that, they got a statue of that. And as I was looking this over, I was uh, shocked to see that when they had to remove it for a short period of time because they were doing construction, it's in front of the Nicolette Mall over there in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. Well, people just went berserk and called the council and just said, what have you done with the statue? Well, it was going to be away for quite some time because of the reconstruction you know, that was going on. And so they had to bring it out of storage and put it back in the visitor center so people can see it. And I thought, isn't that something? But then what ran across my mind really was Rocky. 
the statue of Rocky Balboa in front of the Art Institute in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, right? Well, you realize they removed it from the top level at the top of the stairs because a contingency got together and they said, this is a fine art institute. And that is not fine art. So they got together and they said, take that thing and put it down on the, move it somewhere else. Well, their argument was this. If we made a movie based on Daffy Duck, would you put a statue of Daffy Duck up on top of that highly regarded art institute? So they compromised and they took it and moved it down from the top of the stairs to the bottom of the stairs where people can come and still visit the statue. Wow. Is it amazing though when you think about the greatest person who ever lived and you think about the one who's really his works that he did, his accomplishments and also his contribution that he made to the world and to mankind are the greatest. And yet rather than erecting monuments, it seems like as though our freedom from religion people and government want to remove any memory of him from our schools and our government properties. And I thought that's kind of strange, isn't it? The greatest. Look, you could go to the airport and you can find Franco Harris catching a ball. Right? And they call it the Immaculate Reception. But they want no memory of Jesus at all. The greatest who ever lived. Now, I realize he wasn't a president. I realize he wasn't a civil rights leader. He never led a group. He never entered into the war. He certainly wasn't a sports figure or an entertainer or a musician or anything of that nature. All he did was he only created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. All he ever did was... He hung the stars in the sky and called them by their name. All he ever did was made man in his own image and likeness. And when man rebelled against him and fell, he became a man himself to walk upon the earth to redeem man from his fallen state. All he ever did was turn wa water into wine. All he did was multiply loaves and fishes. All he did was heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cause the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the maimed to be made whole. All he did was destroy the works of the devil, go to a cross where he suffered and died. And all he did was, on the third day when they couldn't hold him down anymore, he arose from the dead and took his blood to the high court of heaven. That's all he did. He obtained eternal redemption for all mankind. That's all he did. He must have known the attitude of men because he came up with his own memorial. A memorial mill. And he said, when you do it, remember me. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to remember him. Now, let's begin by talking about cause and effect. Cause and effect. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let's read on. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Ooh, that's pretty potent, wouldn't you say? 
But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation, that should be judgment, to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now notice this, cause and effect. For this cause. Hey, if the water fountain's contaminated, and people are getting dysentery, and you treat the symptoms of dysentery, would you send it back to the same water fountain? No, you want to deal with the cause. You want to clean it up, right? Then you'll get rid of the effect. For this cause, many are what? Many are weak. Many are what? Sickly among you. And many what? Sleep or die prematurely. For this cause. Everybody say with me, this is the cause. Did you ever get a doctor's report that said the cause of your disease is you didn't rightly discern the Lord's body? Anybody ever get one of those? No. And you won't. You won't. But that's the cause. And Jesus told that to Paul to tell the church. Cause and effect. So look at the cause. So the cause is not rightly discerning the Lord's body. And the effect is what? Weakness, sickness, and premature death. Well then, let's take that and turn that around. If the cause is that I rightly discern the Lord's body, it produces strength health and longevity let's not look at the downside of it let's look at the upside of it if i do it worthily notice he didn't say you're whether you're worthy or not I'm not talking about you being worthy or not he said the way you participate in it can be worthy worthily or unworthily and we want to partake of it how worthily so that we promote what strength health and life or long life longevity hallelujah praise God there's nothing magical about the elements this has nothing to do with the elements it has everything to do with the attitude of the heart and the perception or the discernment of the individual who is participating can you see that so this can be our point of contact to receive what strength health and long life or that which promotes long life I don't know about you but I like those three better than weakness sickness and death how about you now let's look at unworthily and worthily. And first of all, unworthily means not properly discerning. And the word discern means to look into with understanding. Not rightly discerning the Lord's what? Body. Looking into it with understanding. And so, what does that mean? Well, we'll discover that. Number one, it means... First of all, discern his body collectively. Collectively. We are all the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 22, and look at what it says. And remember, this is right before he said about participating in it. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Well, wait a minute. They're coming together to participate in the celebration of the Lord's Supper, but they're coming for the worse, not for the better. So to come for the worse would mean they're, they're doing what? Promoting weakness, sickness, and premature death. But if they do it correctly, worthily, then they're going to promote something better, which is strength, health, and longevity. For the, first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, 
that they which are approved may be made manifest among you when you come together therefore into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before his other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What, have you not houses to eat and drink in, or despise you the church of God? And shame them that have not. What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now remember this. He said there's division, there's uh, all kinds of... Uh, you know, sex and all that sort of thing. But did you know that there's no Bob the Baptist in heaven? Mary the Methodist. There's no Paul the Pentecostal. Or Peter the Presbyterian. No, and there's no Catholic. Kathy the Catholic. In heaven, we're all sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's all. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. Do you get that? Amen. There were divisions among them. And the thing was, they were not regarding each other as they should, as equal in Christ. Having the same redemption, having the same provision, having the same father. And so they were all divided. One was wealthy, one was poor. But the wealthy man didn't look out for the poor man. One had so much that they could eat and eat and eat. The other one had barely anything. And he said, besides, that's not what you're coming together to church for to celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's not what it is. It is remembering Him, not yourself. So in other words, communion celebrates unity within the body. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. It celebrates unity within the body. And so to rightly discern the Lord's body, I have to rightly discern, we need one another. We're all one body. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are what? One bread... And one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. So in other words, we all have the same Father. We all have the same Savior. We all have the same Redeemer. We all have all things equal in Christ Jesus our Lord. And guess what? The attitude should be we esteem each other more highly than ourselves. So in other words, be concerned about your brother and your sister. We're here to promote unity within the body of Christ. Not just here in this body, but throughout the entirety of the body of Christ. As I said, there's no sex in divisions. Okay, that's number one. Number two, individually. See, we want to rightly discern the Lord's body, right? And participate how? Worthily. So collectively, I recognize I need everybody in the body of Christ, and the body of Christ needs me. We all need each other. Number two, individually. Individually, you are the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is from the Amplified Version. Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually. You are members of it. Each part severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. So in other words, when I participate in this supper, I'm remembering number one, a part of a local body, but also number two, I am the body of Christ. Say with me, I'm the body of Christ. You're a member in the body of Christ. And as a member in the body of Christ... Your body being the body of Christ. Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I have a responsibility to know this. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or spiritual duty. Amen. And then also, uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because this is the apostle Paul speaking. But I keep under my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. 
And then also he said in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, he said that everyone is to know how to possess his own body in sanctification and honor. You see, the power is not in the elements. The power is within the heart of the person who by faith participates in the supper worthily by knowing what it represents. And what it represents is you're here today because you understand the need to be a part of the body of Christ and take your place and do your part, right? That's why you're here. Others that say, I don't need to be in church. I don't need to be with us. You're missing it. You're missing it. Yes, you do. You've got something to contribute. <clears throat> and then secondly, individually, it's my responsibility to take care of this body of mine in such a way so as to promote the love of God and the person of Jesus Christ. To keep it under control. Paul said that. I, actually, if I could use the language he used, I beat my body every day into subjection because it doesn't want to obey God all the time. <clears throat> Anybody have that problem? Anyone at all? Your body gave you a problem? Ever? I know you get angry, but you never sin, right? Be angry and sin not. You never talk about anybody, right? Your tongue never gives you a problem, right? It has nothing to do, right? What a challenge this is for us to realize the need. Okay, you're not perfected. He didn't say you had to be perfected in it. He just said you have to what? Discern it. So that every, every time we come together and we do this, I remember, okay, I have a responsibility to the whole body of Christ. Number two, I have a responsibility to take care of this body of Christ. Right? To present it to God. Use me to do your will, Father. That's what I'm here for. Number three, the literal. The literal body of Christ. You ready for it? Here it is. Isaiah. Book of Isaiah, chapter 52. 14, and this is from the New Living Translation. Now I want you to see this with me. He left heaven, came to the earth, robed himself in flesh, born of a virgin. Grew up at age 30, began a public ministry. Walked as no man walked, spoke as no man spoke, did what no man ever did before. Even commanded the sea and it obeyed him. Right? But he went to a cross where he suffered and died. And on that cross, after the Roman lictor took care of him, after they crowned him with thorns, as they nailed him to the cross and all that took place, Look at the prophecy that Isaiah spoke of the Messiah. Look what he would have to go through to redeem us. Are you ready for it? But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And, his, and from his appearance, once, one would scarcely know he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. When that Roman lictor. And those Roman soldiers that nailed him to the cross. <clears throat> stood there. And when he became sin at that moment. They looked up at him. They saw a change take place within his being that made him unrecognizable as far as a human being was concerned. He was so disfigured there before the people that the one, his mouth fell open. Remember they were casting lots for his robe? And he looked up and said, Truly this must have been the Son of God. He did not appear human-like. When Jehovah laid on him look in Isaiah 53 
the next chapter, verses 4 and 5. This is from Young's literal translation. Surely our sicknesses he hath borne, and our pains he hath carried them. And we, we have esteemed him plagued, smitten of God, not the Romans, not the Jews, but smitten of God and afflicted. He is pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Other translations say crushed. The chastisement of our peace was, is on him, and by his bruise, wounds, there is healing to us. And Jehovah, this is verse 10, hath delighted to bruise him or crush him, or another trans, trample on him, he hath made him sick. Who made him sick? Jehovah. If his soul doth make an offering for guilt, he seeth seed, he prolongeth days, and the pleasure of Jehovah is in his hand doth prosper. Now we have a picture painted to us of something happening beyond natural thinking. Beyond anything natural that took place. In the unseen realm, Jehovah God the Father, to redeem man from his fallen state, had to place the fullness of his wrath upon someone. It would have fell upon every single one of us if it did not fall upon our substitute. And at that moment when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The fullness of the curse, the fullness of the wrath, the fullness of our sin, the fullness of sickness, the fullness of disease, the fullness of mental anguish. You can name any name of any sickness, mentally, physically, spiritually, it all fell on him. And it affected him in such a way he was so disfigured he didn't appear to be human. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us why. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And Matthew 8.17 tells us why. That it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. In 1 Peter 2.24 it says this, this way. Who his own self bare our own sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead the sin should live to righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So to rightly discern the Lord's body to participate properly or to participate the correct way worthily. I have to discern the whole body of Christ, the individual body of Christ, and the literal body of Christ, and what that all meant. Can you take a moment and just say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Now, worthily. To participate worthily. What does that mean? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 28 again. Look at what it says. But let a man examine his wife. 
but let a man examine his neighbor. The person across the aisle in the other pew. But let a man examine himself. What am I to do to participate worthily? Examine myself. Okay, number one. Let me examine myself. Am I rightly discerning the literal body of Christ? Am I? Am I really with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, every fiber of my being, am I really discerning the fact that Jesus paid the price for me on that tree? Do you remember the story in Numbers 21 where it talks about when they got bit by the serpent's bite and the venom began to go through their legs and kill them? And Moses cried out to God for some kind of help and he, he made him a pole to put it up on a, a serpent, put it up on a pole and lifted it up. And he said, you tell those that are bitten if they will look up at the serpent on a pole, which is a type of Christ, expectantly with a steady absorbing gaze then they'll be healed so the difficulty was this either look at the remedy or look at the symptom if you look here you die if you look there you live and everyone who looked there lived and all those who looked there died what is he saying Number one, do I really appreciate that God the Father crushed my Savior with sickness and disease and sin and the fullness of the curse? Am I really appreciating that? Am I taking it lightly? Or am I really saying, oh my, Jesus, what you did for me. I am so thankful. I am so grateful. I appreciate so much that whatever has come on me was put on you. And so even though I've been bitten, I'm saying diabetes was put on you. I'm saying heart disease was put on you. I'm saying cancer was put on you. I'm saying kidney trouble was put on you. I see that it was placed on you. And I'm looking at you, oh, expectantly, attentively, with a steady absorbing gaze to absorb your healing powers that flow from Calvary into my being. I'm looking at you. It was placed on you. I'm not going to get caught up in the symptoms. I'm going to get caught up in the cure. And you are the cure. I recognize it. I see it now. I see what you did for me, Jesus, and I'm thanking you. And you can use that for your healing physically. You can use that for any kind of addiction. You can look at that and just say, I'm not bound by that anymore. Who the sun sets free is set free indeed. And you've set me free. And so I'm free indeed. Okay, number one, I need to look at uh, literally the body of Christ. But number two, am I esteeming? Am I esteeming my brother and my sister in the Lord showing fervent, hot-heated love? I finally got the book in. Remember Gertrude Tyser that I said that was healed of MS a couple of weeks ago? Got her book in. And it's a little bit more than what I read to you where I began to read how she said the Lord had to really teach her you want healing to flow under your body. Love your brother and love your sister. And those people that offended you, you love them just as you did even when you forgive them and you love them and 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 forgive them and forgive them and forgive them. She said, okay, I got it now. I got it now. 
In other words, there's certain things in our lives that we've got to adjust. And sometimes we think that we do it, but we're, in many cases we're not doing it. We're holding a grudge against somebody. And that sort of thing. Or talking about people and all that. And he said, no, you've got to have hot, hated, fervent love toward one another in the body of Christ. That you love your brother and your sister. You care for one another. Now remember, they were eating. The rich were eating and the poor were not. And the rich had no concern whatsoever. What's that tell us? How about the rich man of Lazarus? Took care of himself. He couldn't even get a crumb that fell from the rich man's table. That attitude should never be in the body of Christ. Can I bless you? Can I help you? Can I be there for you? Can I extend a helping hand to you? I care about what you're going through. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. Remember that word fervent. Fervent, hot, heated. To the point where it will be, this whole world is going to be changed. The Bible says with a fervent heat. It's the same word that's used to say that's how much we should love each other. Wow. Now remember, we're rightly discerning the Lord's body. You say, but you, know, you understand their personality. And they don't understand yours. Say amen. Don't let the devil make us look through these eyes of judgment and criticism toward other people. Number three. Are we presenting our bodies as living sacrifices? You've heard me say this time and time again. You don't want to get healed so you can do this, that, or the other thing. That should never be the motive. You want to be healed because you want to serve God with your body. This is your temple, you bought and paid for it. Now it's nice to get healed and do other things. But the motive I'm talking about, the motive is that I want to serve you in this body and I want to carry out your will for my life. And so therefore, I receive your healing virtues into my body. Amen. And finally, and not, not least, but last but not least, are we living as though he's coming again soon. Do you remember at the beginning when it said, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come? When you participate is present tense, right? You show forth the Lord's what? Death, past, till he comes, future. All three tenses are found right here in this supper. I'm remembering his death. I'm celebrating it now. And till he comes his future the future so my eyes realize that I should live my life how in the eternal perspective and everyone that has this hope purifies himself as he is pure did you notice all this stuff we have to do ourselves we're told to flee this to flee that Everyone who names the name of Christ departs from iniquity. Let him cleanse himself from all filthiness of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And what is the duty of man? To fear God and keep his commandments knowing the judgment is coming. And so, it's very simple to rightly discern the Lord's body. It was broken for me. Literally. And again, if God ever gave us a vision of that, I don't know if we could handle it. You realize that? But then, the body of Christ, all you have to do is just make an adjustment and say, you know what, I'm going to forgive everybody. doesn't matter what they've done to me. I forgive them all. I'm going to love them all. I'm going to be there for them. I'm going to help them. 
I'm going to seek out my even most fierce enemy. I'm going to bake him a cake. Amen. I'm going to see to it that I'm living my life to please God. And I'm waiting for the day that he comes again. Oh, let's take a moment. Oh, how we thank you, Jesus. How we thank you, Jesus. How we thank you. If man could hold in high esteem people that have been sports figures, entertainers, politicians, and leaders, how much more do we esteem you in this assembly of believers and your work in redemption to buy us back to the Father? To provide eternal redemption for us by your shed blood. We will never forget you, Lord. But we call you close to our mem minds and we remember you right now. How you left the glory world behind. How you became a man. How you robed yourself in flesh. How you anointed from on high went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil demonstrating to all of us the very heart of the Father as you came to do His will, being His express image upon the earth. And everyone and all that came to you, you delivered and set free, not turning one person away. How your mercies are everlasting and your compassions that fail not was translated in, dear Father God, healing the sick and setting the captives free. How we remember you revealing your will to us in that fashion, but then also ultimately... Your ultimate will revealed to us on Calvary's cross where you became that curse, where you became sin, where you became mental anguish, where you became disease, every sickness, every disease, known unknown, name on name, written unwritten. You became on that tree to liberate us and set us free. And so we place it all at the foot of the cross at Calvary and we come to celebrate the victory as you arose from the dead over all death, hell, the grave and all that sin has brought into the realm of human experience. And on this day, this supper is our point of contact to receive into our bodies and receive into our lives strength, health and longevity that promotes a long life that we might, Father, glorify you in all that we do. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It's our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, 
Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.